Hi, this is Dennis Mark. I'm the advisor to Lantern.ai. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruptions as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Gyanusov. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today. And if we get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. And I want to welcome you to today's episode. I have a guest with me. His name is Dennis Mark. Yes, another Dennis with Dennis here today. He serves as an advisor to the CEO of Latin.ai, and they provide business models for SaaS and AI startups. He's also a member of the Academic and Examination Board in Boston Business School. Prior to these appointments, Dennis has had more than 30 years of experience in the IT technology industry and has held the various vice president and general manager positions in strategic business planning, sales, marketing, brand management, and customer experience across the Asia-Pacific markets. Dennis, a big welcome to you. All right. Thank you, Dennis. Yeah, it's really good to have double Dennis on the show. Yeah, it's really good. Eh? Hey, um, whereabouts are you in the world today? Oh, I'm uh, calling you from Singapore. Bright, sunny, and really hot. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's always hot there. Yeah, it's always great. And and you and I have always caught up in Singapore when I've been there several times or a lot of times per year. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, we've always caught up. So I've told our listeners a little bit about your background, just in a quick introduction. There, tell me more about your background. Is there anything else you want to share with us? Yeah, sure, sure. I I, I spend most of my time in the technology world. And I think it's, it's always exciting. We are always in the forefront of changes and all the new and exciting um, technology that uh, have lots of promises. Some deliver really well, some pretty far stretch. But I must say that I really enjoy riding ahead of the curve, right? Mm. And, and, and hence, that's why after 30 years with almost 30 years with HP and various other technology companies, I, I really want to get in the position to continue to enjoy the wave of technology. So now I'm with the company called Lantern.ai, who is providing go-to-market as a service uh, for software as a service business and AI startups. So I think this is really exciting, you know, really continue to propel into the world of as a service, everything as a service. And I think that's probably the beginning of, of this wave and we will see more to come. And on the other hand, I'm sitting on a few boards, right? On one hand, I'm serving with Singapore Red Cross as their board council member, um, also the chairman of the international responses. And over the last two years, we were just being so busy with all these COVID responses and all. But I would also say 
having this strategic view on the board uh, really changed my perspective on many different things, right? We, we need to look longer term, but at the same time, we also need to be very surgical in our responses to situations that uh, require us to make a difference. So I, I'm enjoying myself a lot, right? Connecting, especially connecting with the network that I built up over time, right? Yeah. People like yourself, in a matter of course, I, I can get some great advice or some great connects or tips to get things even better, faster, and more responsive. I think this one thing we shouldn't underestimate the network that we build up over time, right? Am I yeah, cool. really excited? Yep. That's awesome. I'm going to come back to you in relation to the networking, but there was something else you said before, which is around your background. So here you are at a large, well, it was a Fortune 10 company, and then, of course, it split up being Hewlett-Packard. Then you've gone and left there. Now you've gone into a startup, but then you've also gone from an internal senior role within a large corporate, now also as a board member of a couple of boards as well. Tell me, the transition between the corporate into the startup and then into the boards, what's that transition been like for you? It is an interesting one. Yeah, I think you need to be conscious that you need change. You need to have a change in your mindset, your attitude about how things happen, and you need to change the world, but you need to change yourself first, right? Uh, you need to be adaptive. You need to be adjusting yourself to the different requirement. and. Every situation requires you to be different. So if you, for me, I need to switch consciously to that mindset and no longer in a large company, I need to be as nimble, as flexible and as adaptive to the environment that I needed to. Yeah, yeah, so good. So we need to be adaptive, we change and nimble and also our mindset. I mean, that's a huge one, right, around the mindset. And Dennis, you said earlier on the, before that even, so you actually said about how you enjoyed the ride ahead of the curve. When, when you say, and I think that's the words you used, when you say that, what do you do to stay ahead of the curve? Yeah, that's a good one. So I would normally try to look at the big picture, where the entire trend is heading, where the situation is heading, then allow me to project myself forward so that I can be in a place where I can receive the ball, right? You, you can read the ball, where it's going, and you, you need to move to where the park is heading instead of uh, responding to yesterday's situation. So that's what I, I normally would aim to do. Sometimes I might miss it, but sometimes I will run ahead of the ball. But it's this practice and, and trying to anticipate and, and you will get it right as you kind of perfect the art. It's a, it's a, it's a combination of art and science you know, by reading a situation. Well, that's a nice way of putting it, a combination of art and science. But you're right. It's actually reading the situation before it even happens and having that sort of hindsight, well, not hindsight, having that vision and that insight to be able to actually see it happening as well, and which is which is fantastic. Now, the other thing you mentioned, as I said, I'll come back to it, was networking. And as you said, I think that's probably one of the big things that uh, has helped you be successful and other leaders as well. But a lot of leaders out there today aren't very good at networking. What would be one or two tips you might actually say to people that they should do in building a network? Well, what, what are one or two things they can do? Well, to, to be honest, I'm not extrovert. So for me, networking doesn't come naturally. But I do consciously find common interests and common topics that I could strike a win-win relationship, right? And I, I, I believe in building a relationship for long term. Um, so mm. I'm not going to go in with the short term gain for myself over the other party. But I would want to go in, understand 
what's their hot buttons, what would they need me to value add to them in the, this relationship. Because once I establish that, then typically I could work ourselves from business associate to partners mm-hmm. and then sometimes into friends if, if the common interests go beyond uh, just the business win-win solutions, right? And into personal interests. I think that's where it will be, you know, the, the level that you can have a really sustainable uh, network out there. Yeah, fantastic. And I really like what you say there about building relationships. I think people tend to sort of get hung up about that word networking. And it's not about networking. It's about building relationships for the future as, as well as you said. And and I think that's very good that we can do that. Looking for people's hot buttons and helping them. And and yes, I think that that's great. And when you said you're probably an you're not an extrovert, you're an introvert. Come on, man. I, I, I've seen you. We, we've, we've had some fun together and good laughs and things like that. And and I know that you're here at times have been spiky as well. What do you mean you're not an extrovert? <laughs> yeah, those are my antennas to pick up the right signal. But you know, there, there's, a, there's a bit about natural self, right? So if I'm in my downtime, I might be just reading a few books, magazines, watching some movies or, or picking up some nice photography to, to learn more. I, I'm, I'm probably more in the mode of learning, but I want to learn uh, in a quiet space. And that's my natural self. But when I'm then out on almost like a mission, right? Be it a business setting or in a personal setting where I need to connect, when I need to build up relationship for a long-term good. It could be a charitable mission. It could be a business mission. But then I, I switch on to that mode about wanting to build sustainable relationship and meaningful relationship. And I constantly ask myself, how could I value add to this party, to this person that I'm meeting? Right. Uh, so that may, maybe it's a, a, a quite a strain to myself. That's why sometimes it becomes not that enjoyable. Right. Uh, but sometimes mm. when it's so much fun that you, you, you forget that you are in a mission too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you have fun and you have a little bit of humor, it actually does help things along a bit because at times it can be a little bit difficult for sure. Dennis, you've talked about in, in, in my introduction for you uh, to the show, to our listeners, and also a little bit you've shared as well. You've talked about these leadership positions you've been in and in today. How did you get into leadership? Right, yeah, I had a lucky break to some extent. Uh, uh, when I f- uh, first joined HP, it was HP starting the personal computing business and I was assigned to North Asia. And we went in hard and fast and built up our PC business from nowhere. We were, I still remember, we were number 17 on the market share chart, right? And, and we were almost irrelevant. And I have channel partners, customer asking me, well, why, why are you in this business? You, you are in a good, comfortable printing business. And why, why you want to be bothered with the PC business that's not making money? So, and, but we went in hard, we went in fast and uh, we beat up other brands no longer existed now, you know, the, AST, Olivati, and all. Um, but I think that that gave me the opportunity early in my career to then move into management position as the business unit manager for the server startup. At that point, the, the Wintel-based server just starting up. So it gave me a, a great platform of North Asia opening up and the new business startup of uh, the server. So I think that combination worked out really well for me. So it gave me a very first uh, lift uh, into a management position. And then subsequently, I was heading the Asia Pacific 
PC business. And I, I picked the best time of my life, the Asian economic crisis. <laughs> ah. So, yeah. So that gave me the very accelerated learning. You know, somebody told me a day in a PC business in the economic crisis is almost like three years in somebody else's life cycle. So hence, I, I, I did those very compressed cycle learning and that allowed me to subsequently take on general position, uh, general management position. And, and I think that that was a fortunate situation that built up. But on the other hand, I also must say that as individual, we must take career uh, development in our own hands. So you, you need to do the best in every position and at the same time, be the best for the next position, right? So it's a learning journey all along. And I must say my second break in HP was this formation of marketing transformation, right? We, we wanted to reinvent our brand and we set up a new team uh, with Sajif Chahil, the ex-CMO uh, from Apple and Sony coming in, leading us to transform. And I was heading the Asia marketing and at the same time serving as the worldwide marketing council to look at the transformation of brand. And I think that was really allowing me to also understand that you need to continue to explore new boundaries. I was always in the profit and loss position, right? Always managing numbers and all. And suddenly asked to move into a functional leadership position, I was he hesitating for a while, right? Because, you know, when you don't have the core numbers of P&L in your hands, you you'll feel powerless, right? But into the marketing, I fully realized that I was like the fish in the water, right? Yeah. I found a new dimension that I could really do well. So my learning there is don't let the past define your future, right? You continue to push boundaries. You continue to explore new area of interest. Sometimes we don't even know ourselves in that sense, right? That we can be very good in certain new areas. Yeah. So very, that was very, my learning. Well, that's awesome. So don't let the past define your future. A great term and a great uh, statement there by Dennis, and yeah, that's very good. And it sounds like you know you've gone into different roles. And I was about to ask you where you sort of had to put your hand up, but then you went and answered that um, straight away, which is fantastic. So not only did you prepare for a role, you did very well and over delivered in that role, but then also started to prepare yourself for the next role as well. And and I think that that's something that's some really really cool thoughts and actual wisdom being shared there by Dennis listeners. So uh, it's, it's that's some great stuff, Dennis. Who's your favorite leader? Now, this leader can be from the past, in other words, from the history or alive today. Who's your favorite leader and why? I, I must say, given that I'm in Singapore, I would say the Singapore founding father, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew, served as a pretty good leadership example for me, right? He's really determined, fearless, and visionary, right? He built Singapore from almost nothing, right? Oh, poverty, right? And when the British... Uh, Kind of pull out from this region and he was driving it hard and in many cases uh, very determined to make it happen right so there my learning is if, if you want to and the quote that i i found very relevant uh, to me is that he said if you want to reach your goals and dreams you cannot do it without discipline and i think that is type of approach that we, we need to adopt. Right? I almost want to make discipline my middle name because that will remind me to continue to ensure that I, I live, play, and work with discipline. 
right? But sometimes stressful, I must say, but it always gives me the best results. Mm. Yeah, it's a great, wonderful man, Lee Kuan Yew. And uh, as you said, you know, he talked about those three different words, right? So determined, fearless, and visionary. And so the discipline is the thing that's actually going to help. And I always find three things. Discipline is one of them. Second thing would be the focus. And the third thing would be consistency. And you can relate that consistency to the focus and to the discipline as well. Because you can't be disciplined today and then not tomorrow and so forth. You've got to be Absolutely. consistently disciplined, right? Yeah. So Absolutely. I think that's really, yeah, yeah, it's very important. You need yeah, to have so, a long-term vision to, to consistently tie yourself to and all the efforts towards a, a single-minded focus area. Yeah. Mm, yeah, very good. Single-minded, I like it. Yeah. Now, the show is called Leadership is Changing. And when I mention that title, what does that mean to you? Well, it is changing. It is changing and it's almost a constant in my mind. And we need to accept it that, again, the, the, the past cannot define us our future. So for me, the changing leadership is almost equate to the need to have adaptive leadership. And this, I look into three areas, the environment, we need to be adaptive to the environment, the big picture. We need to be adaptive to the organization and the people that go with us, the team. And we also need to be adaptive to ourselves, right? And I, for the environment perspective, the number one, I would say that COVID is teaching us how the big environment could change right in front of us without any of us fully ready for it, even the government, even the UN and all, right? And from the organization and people perspective, I, I would say that the, the changing environment, again, the COVID example, is that it would need us to be much more empathetic to our people's needs. Right, because working from home is not easy for everyone and everybody would have slightly different challenges at home. And hence, leaders need to be much more empathetic to, to understand the more, much more complex situation that our people are facing, especially the mental well-being, right? I think that is one area that we cannot overemphasize. And I think for the self dimension, uh, we also need to know we, we, we are changing ourselves. Right. From the early career or early management, early leadership position where we, we are the boss and to the uh, mid-cycle where we no longer just the boss, but we are actually a, a leader that will make a difference for the organization and for our people, that we are influencing their career and their development. And I think to the very third phase of being a leader for the bigger ecosystem, the, the bigger world that we are going after and no longer worry about our career, no longer worry about what people see us, but more looking at how we could value add to the bigger ecosystem, to the world, and how we can make the world a better place for all of us. So, so hence, our own vision and positioning will be different in this phase. So, so hence, we need to adapt to these three very different external or internal forces, but, but we need to be conscious about it and we need to adapt accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. And we do. And I, and I like what you say about being empathetic with people, right? Understand a little bit more from the people side of things. I mean, yeah, it, it's becoming more and more complex. I mean, I thought we already were complex, but now all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. we're not. And it's even more so. <laughs> it was nothing so, when we were doing it. Yeah. No, no, it sort of makes what we were looking at before 
nothing compared to what we are now. So where we're we going to be, I mean, that's going to be an interesting thing to talk about going forward. Dennis, what makes a leader successful? Because the world is just getting faster, whether it be technology, social, business, everything's getting faster and faster. So what makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? Mm, yeah, I, I would like to use this term, hello, H-A-L-O, high attitude and low opening. So we need to operate at very high altitude to be able to see far and, and scan the horizon as early as possible to pick up signals that it might be showing certain direction, showing certain trend and all because you, you need to prepare yourself and, and at the same time, some of this signal could be confusing and you need to find space and time to analyze all these different sets of signals that are coming in, right? So you need to stay high, but when there's opportunity, you need to dive right in. And, and that's why the low opening. So you need to jump off the plane in the, at a very high altitude. And then you just need to go right down and open your parachute just at the moment where you are right at the spot and land there so that you can be fast. You can be precise, right? The low opening will give you the precision to land yourself and also to be right there and right in front of the situation to respond to opportunity. So that, that's Brilliant. how I would ambition. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So HALO, so H-A-L-O, so high altitude, low opening. Yeah, Having it's a, actually a military a... operational yeah, terminology, right? Uh, they, they go right up there and they, they, they airdrop this yeah, agent down right into the position and open low so that they're not detected by enemy. But at the same time, they're opening low right near the area of operation. Yeah, so they hit the mark. They hit the spot. They hit the bullseye. Yeah, real they hit fast. Real fast. Yeah, really good. Yeah, very cool. So that's, that's, a, that's a great way of actually sharing it. So leaders, make sure that you are prepared to be in the position of hello, high altitude and a low opening. And so you hit the spot and you're actually bang on with what you need to be with your business, with yourself, with your people, and with your organization. and probably with your customers and your stakeholders too. Eh? So, so that's probably a good thing, yeah. Hey, um, Dennis, you and I have talked about leadership today. We've talked about uh, certain things. Let's put, our, let's put our cap on or our shoes on differently to, to an employee's expect, um, sort of lens, the way that they're looking through things. So employees today, you and I have both been in leadership positions, yep. but we've also been employees. And yes, today, exactly. what I'm wanting to know is how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? Mm, yes, I, I, I believe it's, uh, it's changing too because the demand for the employee is also changing. So I would believe that the employee wanted to connect to the top as directly as possible. So that gave the meat management a challenge because we used to use meat management as a con conduit for top level messaging down, right? But today with technology and all, and also the increased expectation of the employee to hear from the top directly, or maybe not just to hear, but to have communication with the top. I think this demand would really accelerate the communication frequency and they want to have a direct and authentic conversation with the top management. So I think that is really a, a challenge, but I would think it's also an opportunity if 
the, the top management use it well because through the layers, there are bound to be translation error and, and propagation delays and all. But if you can speak direct to your employee and this is what they want, that's the best thing. They wanted to hear directly from the top and you must, but the challenge is you must make it relevant to them. For a leaders in US, West Coast to talk in a relevant manner to let's say somebody in, in China, Sunjun, there, there needs to be a very strong sensitivity of relevance from the top management to, to make it real on ground. So I, I would say this is very important from our perspective. And especially with, with COVID, right? Everybody locked up at home or uh, in some countries are a bit more open now to go to work, but it will be a limited team that they'll be there. So they, they won't get the natural exchanges, networking sessions that we talked about previously prior to COVID, but now they, they needed more. They need to hear what's the future for them. What is the new direction that the management would take with such situation? And where's the opportunity post-COVID, right? Or, or if there's no post-COVID, but then how do we continue to live with COVID moving forward? And what is this company approach to be the winner in the new era? I think that's what the employee would ask for, right? The formula to win in this changing environment because the employee want to contribute to that. I don't believe the employee just expect the top management to work hard to bring them out, but the employee wanted to contribute because now they know it's a situation that everybody needs to work together to make good. And hence, I think that's why they, they, they want to pull more communication with the top. And, and maybe to some extent, back to the empathy topic, then the top management needs to really have this empathetic leadership connected uh, in the whole equation. Yeah, very good. And I, I like it. The formula to win in this changing environment, and that's what people are looking for, for sure. You're right. I mean, I think a lot of organizations are becoming a lot more flatter, if I can put it that way, and a lot of middle yeah, management yeah, isn't exactly. there anymore. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people are wanting to get their messaging, as you said, from from the bigger or more senior leaders. But I think it's also, as you said, it's a responsibility of those senior leaders to make sure that what they say how they say it and is relevant for the audience that they're speaking to. As you said, you know, West Coast of the US versus somebody in China, you know, it's not always going to be the same and they have to be a little bit sensitive in mind and mindful of that for sure. So I think yeah. you're right. I mean, the employees' expectations are looking for that direction, but at the same time, they also want to be able to have that access and feel like they're being heard as well from their senior leaders. Yeah, so, exactly. exactly. Yeah. The employee wanted to contribute. And I, I think we, we need to have that belief employee want to do good. They want the company to be successful, right? The, the, the top management should not see this because it's easy to make that happen because with the disappearing of mid-management, the, the distance, although we, we, we think that on the odd chart, the distance is closer, the bottom and the top. But because the, unless the, the company is really connected, but for large company, it, it might mean that psychologically, the distance is actually further, right? Because now you, you don't have the signal coming through through your usual, especially if a company is used to the old hierarchy. But it's a new startup that is very different because there are only just a few of them and they started off day one with direct communication from the top to the bottom, right? But for a, a traditional enterprise that's going through a transformation, cutting off the middle layer and now cutting off maybe the office rental, right, with COVID. So they save lots of costs, but at the same time, 
uh, they might not have realized that the barrier additionally added between the top and the bottom. I'm just running here. They're saving a lot of cost, but at what cost? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So I hope they are conscious of that because, yeah, sometimes I won't say it's a zero sum game, but one is taking out from the other side. Of the it's gonna be it's gonna be quite interesting to see how many organisations do stay in commercial offices and buildings and things like that. Or, I mean, I just saw an article recently that PwC in the US, or well, PwC maybe globally, have just decided that everyone's going to work from home, and three times a year they have to come into the office or to a venue somewhere. Well, come to a venue nearby you. <laughs> um, I, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. So, for a lot of commercial uh, property owners, whoa, there's a massive change for them. Maybe we should start another podcast. Commercial property is changing. Yeah, so something like that. But um, yeah, but then I think you that's actually, that yeah, that's good. Eh? But I think that's really, really quite key what you've said there. And they do want to actually contribute and win. No one, no one wants to work for a, a company that's losing. Yeah, they exactly. Want, they will want they to win, right? Interest. They have their vested interest. So I think if they can work as one, I think that's critical. But how to connect with your employee at the front, right? Because we need to remember these employees are the one facing the customer, the money-paying customer, right? If they're not getting themselves hurt, they can't represent, they cannot represent the company well because they are all brand ambassador for the company. And, and hence, we need to really be conscious of this connecting the top and the bottom. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're all brand ambassadors, team, leaders, listeners. And so it's very important that we actually make sure we look after people. Dennis, I'm going to ask you to get your crystal ball out now here and start thinking about the future. Where do you see leadership being in five years? Okay. First, I would say the next five years will be very different from the last five. And maybe, or maybe the five by five. You know, the five cycle of five years previously might not be might be nothing compared to the next five years, right? Because I, I think the COVID did and is still accelerating lots of these changes that a lot of company, a lot of technology were pushing, but never successful, you know, like the Zoom and all, and just boom, one COVID and everything is changing. So I would definitely say the next five years will be very different. So as individual, we, we need to have our antenna up for, that's why my, my hair, right? <laughs> uh, for curiosity, right? I mean, antenna of, of curiosity must be up to pick up the signal of changes. Right. It, 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 it's going to happen and we need to be the, as leader, it's also our responsibility to pick up the signal so that we can plan for it well for our people, for our team and all. And hence, I, I believe in five years time, it's not too foreign to, to talk about this term, leadership as a service. I, I'm not referring to the servant leadership, but I'm referring to as a service business model, right? Uh, because today I do see CMO as a service, right? So some of these functional businesses can operate as a service to organization who require them. And I believe the external dynamics is will be happening or is happening so fast and it's not viable for in-house development for many of these expertise, right? And this expertise would increase leadership. And a certain form of leadership, right? I'm not 100% sure of the, the, the shape and form, right? But I'm sure some form of leadership as a service would add to the corporation their capability to, to manage and 
and handle the future changing dynamics, right? It's it's a it's an interesting yeah. thing you talk about because I've been thinking about it quite a lot of late, uh, in particular. And there is a couple of scenarios that I've seen. One is it's called executive leasing. So in other words, an organisation goes, okay, we've got nine on the executive team. The CEO thinks, okay, we've got these really important two initiatives that we need to work through, but I can't afford to have one of my executives come out, right? So I'm going to lease that person, get them to come in for six months, 12 months. They can speak, they can talk, they can hang around with that executive level. Then that's the kind of people that we want, right? So that's that's one scenario. The other scenario is exactly what you said. And I think today, if I think of a CFO, we, there's a lot of people out there today who are what we call virtual CFOs, right? So in other words, a company can't afford to have one five days a week, but they can afford for them to be around for one day a week, right? Yeah, and um, yeah, yep, yep. So I think that's that's very very much what we're talking about here. I think it's it's really it's very exciting times ahead where that's going to go for sure. Would yeah, I think it makes else? a lot of sense. The, the, the deeper you get into it, it's, it's a bit like the utility model that we are we are looking mm. at. Right? And and I would say the utility model is maturing, right? Obviously, there's a lot of learning we, we need to put in to fine-tune the business model and all, and to also get comfortable on both sides. The supply of such leadership, yep. the demand and on this utility leadership model. But I guess it will be just like any other acts-as-a-service model that it will continue to improve and people like you and me would look into the demand and try to find ways to satisfy them, right? But it helps the company to be very quick and nimble because they can now secure, buy, rent, or subscribe, whichever term you want to use, leadership to complement their existing fleet. So I think that's a powerful concept and I think it's it's not too difficult or not too distant for the next five years to see it happen. Yeah, you're right. And and one of the episodes uh probably sort of six, maybe eight months ago that I actually interviewed a guy who's got a global business and he's talking about a subscription types type of workforce going forward and he thinks that he will be actually that'll actually start to happen. And I think his business model probably is going to change to that way already and he's he's starting to put that in place. And I think that's exciting to see where it's going to go. So people can turn it on and off as well as they need it some organizations. Now for people, does that really give them certainty around jobs? Well the argument is, is any job today certain? Maybe if you're in a government department, you could be in a certain role. But I don't think in the private sector, any roles are certain anymore that you're going to be there for life. Things change all the time. So there's one thing. The other thing too is, what I think it's going to give people flexibility in their lives. And exactly. I think, Dennis, that's probably one thing that I think COVID has actually taught a lot of people or woken a lot of people up to is, hey, it's not all about work. It's not all about the corporate world or business world. We've got to enjoy life too. And so if we can have that flexibility. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I think the for individual the flexibility is one. Two is that it probably could open more opportunity because now if in this utility model you, you are no longer tied to one particular company, but you are a resource for multiple company and multiple industry to tap into. Right. So I think that that could be the mindset change for individual. But of course, some might still like a standard or constant paycheck from one company. And But on the other hand, you need to continue to develop yourself for the future. And what's the future going to be like, right? Would the future be more utility-based 
than fixed base and the company themselves might be going through this so on the other side of the equation the company actually will enjoy flexibility and also their ability to scale to opportunity and scale down if situation like covid that will temper or, or, or drastically change certain demand so i i would think this flexibility on both ends will have to be explored further right and think this is the opportunity actually that is so exciting that is very, very cool and wonderful. So, Dennis, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Well, they can just uh, type Dennis Mark Lincoln. They'll find me. Okay, Definitely. excellent. Yeah, LinkedIn. So, Dennis, once again, hey, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, and thank you for being on, on the Leadership is Changing show. Pleasure is mine. Excellent. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if you have a question for the Ask Dennis freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 